market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. For Douglas Ross to stand there and talk about losing grip of a party when he has been leader, the Conservatives have had the longest attempted coup in Scottish political history. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, the Scotsman's politics podcast. I'm Alistair Grant, the Scotsman's political editor, and I'm joined today, as always, by Rachel Amory, the Scotsman's political correspondent, to discuss the Scottish budget. So the budget was delivered in Holyrood by Shona Robinson, the Deputy First Minister and Finance Secretary, yesterday, on Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday, and it was quite a an unfestive occasion, I'd say. Especially so close to Christmas. <laughs> we called this a nightmare before Christmas last week, and I think that came to pass in some ways. A very difficult budget mm. for the Scottish Government. Just to remind people that the Scottish Government was facing a, a notional £1.5 billion black hole in its finances ahead of this budget. There was a lot of speculation, a lot of chat about how they would fill that. It turns out they have filled it with tax rises and cuts, essentially. So the headline announcement from the budget was probably the new 45% income tax band, which was introduced for people earning between £75,000 and £125,000, roughly. So that means that they will pay more tax than they currently do. The top rate of tax, which is paid by those earning more than that £125,000 mark, will also rise from 47% to 48%. And the threshold for the higher rate, which people pay from upwards of around £43,000 will be frozen instead of rising with inflation. Uh, and that will essentially have the effect of more people moving into that band uh, as wages rise. So a lot of focus on the income tax changes in the budget. Other announcements, council tax, we finally found out what the Scottish Government means by a fully funded council tax freeze. They gave councils essentially £140 million extra to account for that council tax freeze. COSLA, the local government body, uh, had previously said that they wanted £300 million, so that's obviously a shortfall there. COSLA now is saying that it faces a funding cut of £251 million in its day-to-day resource spending. So I think council's not happy in general. Elsewhere, we saw cuts to higher education sector, funding for colleges down uh, by £58.7 million. Universities down 48.5 million. We saw cuts to housing. We also saw changes in business rates, the, the taxes that businesses pay. So the poundage rate was frozen for premises valued at less than £51,000, something that would be welcomed by the sector. But the Scottish Government, Shona Robinson, chose not to pass on some of the tax breaks we saw announced down south for kind of leisure and hospitality businesses. So there was a lot of outcry from the hospitality sector about that. I think one of the quotes that stuck in my mind was talk of betrayal, a betrayal of the sector. So a lot to get through, but I was just going to turn to you, Rachel, because in your news list, newsletter sorry, uh, this morning, the Steamy, which obviously everyone should sign up to, of course. you had picked out around 10 kind of key components of the budget that you thought people should know about. Yeah, it is kind of hard to sort of narrow it all down to just a few key points because, I mean, we're still 
trudging through the budget. We're still reading through it and getting through all the different points. We probably will be for the next couple of days. So um, there's still more to, to uncover from this budget, I think. But like you said, I think the first two main points are definitely the new income tax band, which I think um, is going to generate an extra £307 million. So not, not an inconsequential amount of money. And the council tax fees, which, as you said, COSLA, the umbrella body for the council, is not happy with. They're thinking it's way under what they were wanting and what they were asking for. I think after that, yeah, housing, I think, is probably the next biggest point. Um, it's quite a big cut that house, the housing budget is seen, particularly to the budget for building more affordable homes, almost £200 million cut from that. And that's quite interesting as well, because um, Edinburgh, Glasgow and Argyll and Butte councils all in the last two weeks have declared housing emergencies. So it's not good news for, for the councils struggling to then hear that um, housing is being cut. So um, definitely a lot of criticism on that one. I think another thing that's had a lot of criticism is the Scottish child payment. Now, this is um, families receive about um, £20 a week, I think it is, is that right? £25 at the moment. £25 this week, my apologies, to help them stay above the poverty line, essentially. There was calls from charities to raise it to £30. There was some hints from Humza Yusuf during his leadership campaign as well that it could be raised to £30, um, but it's not been. It's been raised in line with inflation to £26.70, which has got um, a lot of criticism as well. I think um, Oxfam said it was inadequately short of what was needed. Health Poverty Action saying it was bitterly disappointing for families, so that's not gone down well either. Another one that's maybe not had quite as much attention in the pages so far, I'm sure there'll be more to come on this though, is uh, mental health and drug and alcohol funding. We know that Scotland has uh, a big problem with um, drug and alcohol misuse. Um, if you look at the figures, I mean, I'm sure we're all very well aware that it's got the highest drug deaths in Europe and it has done for what, decades almost now. It's, 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 a, it's not a happy statistic at all. But if you look at the funding that is received here, alcohol and drug misuse budget has raised by £100,000 and there's no extra funding for mental health at all, which is effectively a real terms cut because it's not in line with inflation. So it's quite interesting there that, that those two issues haven't had any sort of funding rise, particularly when those are two issues we know are really big for the Scottish population right now. You mentioned rates relief. That was another big point that I wanted to cover. School meal debt. That's an interesting one too. There's a, um, a lot of families struggling with the cost of living have racked up huge amounts of debt from their school meals because I think it's I think it's primary one to primary five all get free school meals at the moment, but they've decided to, to cancel all that debt. It's going to cost the government £1.5 million to do that, but I'm sure that will be welcome news for families who are struggling and have that sort of looming over their head in the run-up to Christmas. Transport and public transport is another interesting one. Our transport correspondent, Alistair Dalton, has got um, a piece on this um, in the papers today, so feel free to have a look at what he's written on the website, um, because about £2.5 billion is to be spent on public transport. The one that I'm most interested in is the £1.6 billion for ScotRail and the Calistonian sleeper because I get a lot of trains. <laughs> so I'm very pleased to see quite a good chunk of that being spent on the trains. <laughs> so that's another good one. And I think, as you said, lots to be said on education, which our education correspondent, Callum Ross, has also been writing a lot about. So again, you can look on our website and see what he's had to say about that. And just to kind of drill down into tax a little bit, I mean, you mentioned this there. So essentially, I think the Scottish government is saying that the new 45p advanced rate, I think they're calling it the advanced band, mm. and the, the change to the top rate in tax from 47% to 48%, I think those combined raise £82 million. And then freezing the higher rate mm -hmm. threshold raises £307 million. So actually substantially more just freezing that threshold. And then kind of com they combine those to obviously say how much money is being raised by this, these kind of income tax changes. But I think it's worth kind of looking at some of the, 
the criticisms they've had around this. I mean, obviously, raising income tax always hits the headlines. Mm -hmm. I think we predicted this actually last week when yes, we were talking about Yes, I think we all this. seemed to know this one was coming, didn't we? So, as predicted, a lot of front pages today have focused on this. There's been a lot of kind of criticism from bodies like the Chamber of Commerce, the CBI, some of those big business groups raising concerns about the ability of Scotland to attract talent, as they would call it, these highly skilled workers. And I was actually at a, a kind of breakfast event. <laughs> I was, yeah. was, there, was there good bacon rolls? There was, there was. At a, at a hotel in the grass market this morning, uh, run by True North, a kind of advisory firm in which Shona Robinson was speaking, but also kind of figures from RBS and uh, Fraser of Allender, the, the Strathclyde University Economic Institute. Uh, and one of the things that the person from RBS was saying that they have seen anecdotal evidence of people um, choosing, essentially businesses perhaps struggling to attract some of those higher paid workers because they choose not to live, you know, they maybe choose Manchester or Newcastle or Liverpool mm. over cities in Scotland because of this kind of tax discrepancy north and south of the border. And she made the point that post-pandemic, a lot of these kind of big firms have people working from home. You really can choose where you live. Mm -hmm. People are a lot more mobile in that sense. So I think it's something the Scottish government will be, they'll have their eyes in it. I think they say that, it's something they're monitoring. But what do you think about those changes and how the kind of reaction to them? It is an interesting one because I think there have been some concerns. There may be a sort of a brain drain, if you like, particularly in industries like um, tech and renewables and things like that. It is something to keep an eye on. And while it is a sort of a, a, a population in Scotland that earn a lot of money and therefore pay a lot of tax, I think it's only about 114,000 taxpayers are going to be impacted with this new income tax band. Yeah. It's a very small amount of the population. It's, it's not going to affect most working people. And I think sort of your most public sector workers as well will not be affected by this either. So that's a, quite a good thing to keep in mind as well. I wonder though, people who are maybe choosing to live, as you say, in Northern England rather than Scotland, is that purely down to tax, do you think? Well, I think, I think these things are, are so complicated. Mm -hmm. I think it's so difficult. I mean, Fraser Valander, I think we're seeing that this morning, that when you look at modelling around this, it's just incredibly complicated. And one of the points they make is that it's not actually so much about people choosing where to live. It's maybe people, those higher earners, choosing how they receive their income. So mm -hmm. perhaps receiving it in pension contributions or dividends or simply working fewer hours, reducing the hours they work to try and you know avoid paying that, paying that extra tax in their on their salary, it's something that we already see that people do. Whether you think it's a, a thing that people should do, is sort of beyond <laughs> the point. There's a whole other debate there, isn't there? <laughs> because it is, you know, at the end of the day, it's a decision that we know that people make. And like you say, I think in the advanced rate, you're right, it's 114,000 people who, who are kind of fit within that, 14,000 taxpayers in Scotland who, who fit within that new band. And I think there's 40,000 people who will be hit by that uh, top rate change. So you're only really looking at just above 150,000 people in total. I think one of the interesting things about the, the decision to, to add a kind of one percentage point onto the top rate is that when you look actually at the figures behind that, the amount of money that's lost through behavioural change, you know, people mm. changing how they receive their, their income to avoid, you know, quote unquote, avoid tax, the impact of behavioural change on that is massive. And the government only expect to make eight million pounds in revenue on the back of that change to the top rate, just because there's such a huge impact wow. from behavioural change. So I think it's, yeah, it, it leaves a question as to whether, why they've made that decision to put that extra percentage on the top rate if they know that it's not going to 
produce that much income. I mean, I suppose eight million pounds is still eight million pounds, but it's not. Anyway, it sounds amount. like a lot of money, especially just sort of compared to like sort of household finances and salaries. But when you're talking about the government budget, it won't go very far. Eight million pounds, will it? No, and I think Shona Robinson was asked about this this morning, and she essentially she didn't really have a, a kind of convincing answer on it. She essentially said the government was wanted to pursue its kind of progressive taxation policy. I can understand the politics of putting. Mm -hmm. You know, the argument that those who have the broadest shoulders financially should pay the most, but... That's been a quote that's been bandied about a lot um, the past, couple, <laughs> last past week, hasn't it? But of course, the council tax freeze is seen as a regressive move, a move that benefits wealthier people. I think the narrative the government is pushing that they've gone down this progressive taxation route is sort of hindered by the council tax freeze. They sort of cancel each other out. I think for certain er earners it will do, won't it? Which um, seems strange. Um, I think as was pointed out, not everybody pays council tax either. So as much as they're saying it's going to be a council tax freeze that's going to benefit everyone in Scotland, there'll be a lot of people who won't see any difference. Yeah, some of the poorest people yeah. as well. Um, and just moving on to some of, the, some of the cuts, we've obviously seen, I mean, you touched on stuff there, things like housing, mm -hmm. the impact of the housing one, budget, impact on further education. Do you think there's going to be a problem going into, we're approaching a, an election year next year, obviously that'll be tied into any number of things, but do you think there's a problem for the SNP brewing in that they're raising taxes, even if it's only for the higher earners, while public services could be, could be set to suffer? People will start to get frustrated at that because I think I've said before on this podcast that the sort of the principle of paying more tax to get more back absolutely sounds great, but it's, it's paying more tax and not seeing the return for that, which is going to be the problem. And if that, if we do start to see cuts being made, services starting to get worse, waiting lists getting longer, education standards falling, that will start to really get on people, um, I think. So that'll be something that has to be watched over, I think. The housing one's going to be quite interesting because there is this target of building 110,000 affordable homes by 2032, which isn't that far away. It's less than a decade away all this money is coming out of the budget for it. So it looks, to me, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to meet that target. Stoner Robinson this morning saying that they're still committed to this, it's still important to the government, but it just seems, it seems almost impossible to try and still meet that while also cutting millions from the budget. Yeah, I think another area that we're sort of running out of time to touch on, but it's worth going to the Scotsman website and reading Brian Ferguson's coverage of the impact on the, the culture sector. We had this whole saga mm. of money that was taken out of Creative Scotland's budget, then given back to them and then taken away again. And it was just, uh, I think what the government is saying in terms of its funding for the culture sector and what the reality is, I think is sometimes quite difficult to, it's quite different. There is a, there is a gap between Absolutely. rhetoric and reality Absolutely. there. Absolutely, and not to inflate Brian's ego, but what he's written is going to be far more comprehensive than anything you or I can write. He's, <laughs> he's got loads and loads of stuff on the website for you to read about that too. But I mean, moving on just briefly, we've obviously had a day of pain yesterday for the government, potentially, Another day of some quite painful decisions today. We're obviously, as I said earlier, recording this on Wednesday. We're expecting a statement this afternoon on the Scottish Government's gender recognition reforms. Mm. Uh, widely expected to basically be an announcement that they're going to be dumping this legislation. I mean, just to give people some background in this, this was legislation that was passed actually this time last year yes. during some horrific sessions in Holyrood. Some that went very on late night sessions. Until the early hours of the morning, I think. And it was a real kind of atmosphere of around them. We had campaigners in Parliament. There was a lot of controversy surrounding it. And even though the legislation had cross-party support, and even actually a couple of Conservative members had ended up backing it in the end, it proved hugely controversial. We then had Alistair Jack, the Scottish Secretary, 
essentially using part of the Scotland Act to block that legislation from getting royal assent, from becoming, from becoming law, essentially. That was challenged in the court by the Scottish Government in the Court of Session, uh, and the Scottish Government lost that court case. Um, and they were, obviously a route that was open to them was to potentially appeal, appeal that. It could have ended up in the Supreme Court. It seems like they're not going to do that and they're going to dump it. Everything that we've heard so far would suggest that Shona Robertson has been on the broadcast television programmes suggesting that yes, the government is going to say no to appealing that piece of legislation. If you look at the sort of the nitty gritty of the legislation, which we're not going to go into here, there's very little for the government to sort of cause an argument for now at this point. And it's also cost a lot of money as well, which the day after cutting lots of money would not go down well, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, just broadly, this legislation was obviously aimed at making it easier for trans people to change their, their legal gender, to change their legal sex. And I think reduce the age from 18 to 16 mm -hmm. that you could receive a gender recognition certificate. Uh, there's all sorts of other aspects to it. Uh, as I say, it proved hugely controversial. Uh, and like you say, I think the Scottish Government's court bill at the moment stands at over £200 million. So it's a huge well, amount maybe of... maybe that £200 million could have maybe gone to the housing budget. <laughs> well, it's a huge amount of money that, uh, to spend. And like you say, the optics of pushing ahead with potentially, you know, that figure again, spending, you know, another couple of hundred million pounds on appealing this all the way to the Supreme Court on the day after you've announced this painful budget probably would have been quite politically difficult. It would have been. So we are expecting Shirley Ann Somerville, she's the Social Justice Secretary, to make a statement in Parliament this afternoon, which will be Wednesday afternoon, and we are expecting it to be scrapped. But we'll have plenty more on that to come in The Scotsman. I believe actually over the weekend we're going to have a long read on how the past year has gone in this debate as well. So um, I'm sure readers can pick up a copy of that over the weekend. But from Holyrood to Westminster and our Westminster correspondent, Alexander Brown, bringing us up to date with all that's been happening down south. Hello and welcome to the Westminster Section podcast. My name is Alexander Brown and this week has been somewhat quieter than the usual chaos uh, of Westminster. But that's, there's still been some drama as the MP Peter Bone lost his seat after being removed by constituents in a recall petition, meaning the government will face yet another by-election. It follows accusations against Mr Bone of bad behaviour and that he broke sexual misconduct rules by indecently exposing himself to a staff member during an overseas trip. An inquiry upheld five allegations of bullying, including verbally belittling the member of staff, physically striking him and throwing things at him. He appealed against the investigation's findings, but lost, and he now plans to perhaps run as an independent. He's not confirmed that, but that's what he's hinting at. He did have a massive majority. He won in 2019 with 18,540 uh, more votes than his Labour counterpart. But given the seismic uh, majorities have been overturned by both Labour and the Liberal Democrats during by-elections, this is another seat for the government to worry about especially given if Mr. Bone runs, he could split the vote as a long-term MP with quite a following. So it's another headache for the Prime Minister. It is uh, resource and time and energy on a seat he would have perhaps liked to avoid until the general election. And essentially the fun slash crises never stops for Rishi Sunak. So that was Westminster this week. 
I'm sure there'll be more chaos during the Christmas period, but I think I speak for all of us and I say I hope we can shut it out and simply have a lovely time rather than wondering what these silly people are getting up to uh, and the chaos they continually cause. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Well, thank you very much, Alex. That's all we've got time for. We won't be back until the new year, so I hope everyone listening has a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes, Merry Christmas. Personally, this is my last day before I go off on holiday, not to, oh, not to rub it in, Rachel. Very but, jealous. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to a bit of a break myself. Scottish politics has been relentless this year, I think it's As safe always. to say. We started the year with Nicola Sturgeon still being First Minister. We had a resignation. We then had arrests as part of the police investigation. Obviously, those people released to vouch charge. It's probably important to add. It's just been a completely crazy year. I don't think we could have predicted what happened on the 1st of January this year. We'd never have been able to foresee what had actually happened in the next following 365 days. No, I mean, I was actually writing a, a year ahead piece this year, looking, of looking ahead to what might happen in politics next year. And I looked back at the one I wrote last year. Did you, did you predict that the First Minister would resign? I didn't, funnily <laughs> enough, I didn't. Uh, and you just look back at it and think a lot of those issues, some of them, actually, some of the stuff I wrote about is still ongoing, but... Yeah, some of those headline points, you know, you could just never have seen that year coming and I'm sure the coming year will bring things equally as unpredictable as we enter a general election period. Well, exactly. We might very well have a new Prime Minister by this time next year. Yep. Who knows? But until then, thanks very much and uh, see you next year. <laughs>